We're not rolling yet, right? So we're in a series right now called Be the Reason. Be the Reason Someone Meets Jesus. And this morning's message I've entitled Be the Reason, Be a Servant. And there's few people who have ever been in my life that are um, the epitome, an example of a servant's heart, often at their own expense. And this individual came up to me uh, two weeks ago and shared something that I thought was, was just awesome, really great, and, and I want them to come and share it with you this morning uh, and what happened and so forth. So, sweetheart, Ed? So about a month ago, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Terry and I went to Columbus, Ohio, and uh, there's a church there that we go to a couple times a year. It's called Faith Life Now. And um, so we were out there on some business, and um, Terry's one son down in Texas said, well, if you're going to Columbus, a friend of mine, his mother lives there. Why don't you invite him to church? So we called her up and said, hey, uh, we're going to go to church on Saturday night and probably on Sunday morning. Could you guys uh, possibly come and be with us? And they said, yeah, we'd love it. Turned out they live 15 minutes away from the church. Never been there before. And so what we did afterwards is we took them out to dinner and stuff. And they just said they just loved the church. It's a church of about 2,500 to 3,000 people. They have one service on Saturday night and three on Sunday. So, um, but the whole thing was is we took the opportunity. Here we are kind of new or visitor to a church. And we took a guest with us to their church. So... I had a thought about this, and that is, you know, if you've invited somebody to Genesis before, and they said no, maybe they had a reason at that time for not coming. Maybe they had something else scheduled. Maybe they um, just weren't ready to be in church. Maybe it's time you go back through your list and invite people again. So a guest, a guest who was visiting a church called up another person who was a guest. So that was a guest of a guest visited a church. Do we have any guests of guests here this morning? It's just really great to have all of you here. Love it. You know, we figure if we rework the chairs a little bit and, and tighten things up, we can get all 250 of these chairs in here for grand opening. So how about let's just all make a commitment right now that we're going to fill them up, all right? All right? If, if you have an empty chair sitting next to you, would you just lay your hand on it? All right, we're going to make a declaration of faith, all right? Here we go. Repeat after me. Fanny in the seat. Fanny in the seat. Amen. Man, Jesus said you could speak to things, so <laughs> I just, you know, Jesus spoke to trees, 
come on. Jesus spoke to trees. You know, to be a servant, you have to think like a servant. In Numbers chapter 14, in the New Century Version, Moses said, my servant Caleb thinks differently and follows me completely. See, you will never follow the Lord completely until you start thinking differently. You will never come to church every Sunday until you start thinking differently. You will never give an, a tithe as part of your budget until you start thinking differently. See? Following completely requires thinking differently. Paul said something similar in Philippians, the second chapter. He said, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. How is that? I want to give you this morning five attitudes, five ways in which we can think differently. Did you know that attitudes are more important than achievements? We love to measure achievements. We give awards for great achievements. What about attitudes? When's the last time somebody gave out an award for having a great attitude? Huh? When's the last time they gathered everybody together at the place where you're employed, brought somebody up on the dais, and said, we just want to tell everybody what an awesome attitude this individual has had. We have a certificate for them today. Great big old 11 by 14 framed certificate, you know. What a great attitude they've had. Wouldn't that be awesome? Servanthood requires a mental shift. And, and this is what made Jesus so different from all of the other religious leaders. He thought differently. And so his accomplishments and his achievements meant something different. Five attitudes that constitute real servants. Number one, servants are forgetful, self-forgetful. Rick Warren said regarding humility, that it's not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. I like that. You see, there's a concept of losing your life that's fundamental to Christianity. It's at the very core of it. Forgetting ourselves in service to other people. Servants always focus 
on the needs that are around them, not on themselves. The Bible says that Jesus emptied himself. Though he was on equal footing with God, though in fact he was God, he laid down his divinity and chose to think differently, to think about you and me. Servants empty themselves for other people's benefits. Servants aren't full of themselves. Servants don't bargain with God. God, I'll do this if you do. No, that's never, never something that crosses the lips of a real servant because a servant doesn't care about what he's getting in return. He's doing it because he thinks differently and empties himself and says, I'm yours. I'm yours, Lord. And oh, the measure of a servant, the measure of their heart is when they're being criticized. When they fall into circumstances that are adverse, unfair, attacking, That's when servants really shine. Jesus said it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 41. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. Number two, second attitude of a real servant is that servants think like stewards, not owners. Hmm. Ask yourself this morning, am I an owner or do I recognize that everything I have actually belongs to somebody else? I've been given everything I have. It's his and I'm just a steward over what he's entrusted to me. I don't own it. I'm stewarding it. How are you handling the resources that God's entrusted to you? Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, from the Amplified Translation. I'll begin reading in verse 10. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. He who is dishonest and unjust in a very little thing is dishonest and unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the case of unrighteous mammon or money, possessions, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not proved faithful in what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No servant is able to serve two masters, For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So let me ask you something. Are you a steward who releases the things that you've been given? Or are you an owner who holds on to it? Regarding your money, do you realize you're just a steward? 
doesn't belong to you. Not if you're a Christ follower. Not if you're fully committed in the sense of being a servant of the Lord. You see, it's impossible to love money and love God. And one of the attributes of loving money is that I just can't let go of it. (laughs) Have you ever thought about your attitude at offering time? Do you get uneasy when offering time is mentioned? Do you get uncomfortable? Do, Do you begin to sort of wiggle in your seat? Do you reach for your wallet and check and just be sure it's there? Maybe your button, you know, the back pocket's buttoned on men's pants. We have a button back here. Do, do you button it during offering time? <laughs> We're being real, aren't we, this morning? See... A real servant recognizes that that's not mine. I don't own it. I'm just managing it. And so when offering time comes, this is an opportunity for me to steward what God's granted to me and bless, give, release. See, material possessions and money have the greatest potential to replace God in our lives more than anything else. This is why Jesus said, you can't love both. You will either love one and despise the other, or you will, he talked about servant, you'll you'll be a slave to one, a servant to the other. Are you a slave to your possessions? Are you a slave to money? Wealth builders always see resources as leaving their hands. Kingdom builders view resources as going out into the soil of their future where it reaps a harvest and causes more provision to come in. Which are you this morning? Are you building the kingdom? Is it wealth that's important? Is it the bank account? Is it being sure everything's just so and you know where every penny's going? And Now, it's not wrong to be a good steward. It's not, to, it's not wrong to manage your finances well. But see, again, we're talking about attitude. What is your attitude about your possessions, your wealth, your provisions? Do you gladly release it when there's an opportunity or do you hold on to it? Do you always second guess something the Holy Spirit has said for you to give in the offering? By the way, whenever you're giving in an offering, if you hear two figures, the larger one is the Lord. No, think about it now. He would never tell you to give less. He wouldn't never. If you hear 1,000 and 100, 
you know that the 100 is from the devil. Do you realize how long I study all week to say something brilliant like that? (laughs) Oh, my. Number three. Yeah, the pastor needs some attitude correction here. Servants focus on responsibilities, not personalities. Ooh. Have you ever been around a situation where somebody got promoted before you? Uh, Yeah. Have, Have you ever been part of a situation where a less talented person got something you should have had? Have you ever been inclined to want to, because you know a situation or you know the details of something, you always want to jump in and correct and manage, and they call that micromanagement, I think, is one of the definitions. That's hard for me. If I wasn't saved, I would manage the devil right out of everything. (laughs) I'm given to details and excellence and everything has a place and it needs to look like this. So part of my deliverance came when the Lord gave me the grace to say to people, well, just at least do it this well before you change it. Do it, do it as well as this. Do, do it as well as this looks or as well as I'm doing it and, and then change it. Make it even better. But you know, really, when you're a servant, you don't focus on other people's responsibilities. You focus on yours. Real servants don't compare. They don't criticize. They don't compete. So Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. We will not boast about the things done outside of our authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work that God has given us, which includes our working with you. You see, you've got to learn to stay in your space. You've got to learn to stay in your assignment and keep your nose out of other people's assignments. Yeah, but Pastor Jeff, you don't know what they said. And oh, they're so this way, or oh, they're so that way. Oh, well, now you're over into personalities. See, somebody else's assignment is not your responsibility. How somebody is acting isn't your responsibility. God didn't place you over them. 
So real servants focus on their responsibilities. And Paul said here in this scripture that we just read, stay in your assignment. That's where your anointing is. Jesus said it this way. He who would be greatest among you must be servant of all. In fact, Paul said we're supposed to rejoice with other people when they get exalted, when they're given their certificate. Ooh, that's hard, isn't it? Especially if you know you were more deserving, you're more skilled, and there that person is being honored. Isn't that hard? Isn't that hard to rejoice in the circumstances and with somebody else when you know you could have done it better? You've been there longer. You haven't been noticed. (laughs) Is it just the message? Is it the subject matter? Is there something in my teeth? Is it... See, you love me when I hoop and holler. You you love me when I'm preaching about the Holy Ghost or healing or this will bring healing. Some of you are sick in areas of your life and your body because of what I'm talking about this morning is out of adjustment. Bad attitudes will absolutely infect your physical body. How many of you know what an endorphin is? That's a little dwarf that you've let in because of bad attitudes. Say it, endorphin. That takes hours. That takes hours of study. Oh, come on, at least you're laughing now, okay? At, at least you're, you know, you looked at one another, you punt, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. There's good little dwarfs that you have to let in. Run out all the bad little dwarfs. Number four, the fourth attitude of a good servant, of a real servant, is that servants get their identity from Christ not what they do you're not what you do I keep feeling like you all can't see that screen hi John You know, the first telltale sign of someone who gets their identity from what they do, listen to what they talk about. Are they always talking about themselves? Are they always talking about their ministry? Are they always talking about the latest thing they bought? 
Is the dollar value of what they bought bigger than the dollar value of what you bought? Is it shinier? Did it cost more? Did they go to a certain part of town to get it? Have they gotten 10 people healed and you've had a hard time praying over your first one? (laughs) None of that matters. It's the attitude. And if we just listen to how we talk, the securely confident don't remind you of who they are and what they do. They never have to prove their worth because they're just settled. They're just settled in Jesus. They know who they are. And, you know, one of the problems for those of us who are very involved in our church, it's easy to hide a lot of dysfunctional attitudes through ministry, involvement, to get our worth from what we're involved in. And boy, if one ministry isn't enough, we get involved in a second and a third and a fourth. And of course, we as pastors say, hallelujah, look how involved you are. But the downside of that is this. If you don't have a healthy identity regarding who you are in Christ, apart from what you do, all those hallelujahs and smacks on the back and great job might become the bitter death of you spiritually, where you just, I've seen it happen to so many where they stop serving Christ, stop following God, stop coming to church because they got bitter when something was removed, something was taken, something was changed, somebody else was put in charge. And it's because you got your identity from what you do rather than who he is. See. Oh, and this whole thing of ownership? Hmm. Have you ever been around somebody who has a problem with ownership when it comes to what they do for the Lord? Don't touch that. Ah! Or, you know, you're serving, you're just loving, you don't know any better, you fix everything a certain way, or do, and, and they come through and do it all different. I'm almost 60. I know you can't believe it. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay, I know. But um, what, what, one of the benefits of being 60, you learn to relax. You learn to let go. You learn that the wall's unfinished. Yeah. No, I mean, it used to be the end of my world. Yeah, yeah. Shut up, Rick. I can make the point just fine, all right? 
but like something so big and monumental as starting a daycare, starting a new learning center. Oh, it's huge. It's huge for our church. It's a huge undertaking. It means so much to our vision. And what a delight for us to be able to hire someone. Now, this someone is like golden. I mean, I don't always meet folks like this. And, you know, she's incredible. But it's so rewarding, so easy for me now at my age to just let go and say, do it. Go for it. Build it. Raise it up. Fashion it. Have at it. Make it wonderful. Breathe into it. So with that, and this is spontaneous because I didn't know that she was going to be here, I'd like to introduce our new daycare director, our new learning center director. This is Jennifer Smithers. Jennifer, you got to stand up, honey. Come on. This is Jennifer. Yeah, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know I'm going to do it. Would you just greet everybody? Yeah, and just let them know. Hey, everybody. I'm Jennifer. Um, I've been doing this a long time, and I'm happy to be here with you guys. And Jeff, Nina, you guys are great. David, you've been awesome. So it's going to be a new adventure for me also as all of you guys, and hopefully it's going to be fun. I see lots of little kids in here. I love it. When I came in today, I was like, wow, there's kids everywhere. I love to see them. So I'm happy to be here, and I'm glad I made it today. Only secure people can serve. Get this, James, the half-brother of Jesus. All right, this guy was packing. He, he was important. James, half-brother of Jesus. <laughs> he ate with Jesus. He slept in the same home with Jesus. They were close. When a big division, theological, doctrinal division rose in the church at, at Jerusalem, it threatened to split that young church back in the book of Acts. They called a meeting. All the elders and all the pastors met behind closed doors. Everybody shared their opinion. Then James stood up, said, men and brethren, this is my decision. This, this is that guy. <laughs> leader. Apostolic leader of the church. Listen to how he starts his address of his book in the New Testament. James, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't pull out his credentials he didn't go on and on about all his accomplishments. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I found the closer you get to Jesus, the less you need to promote yourself. Is that up here? <laughs> it's a good one. The closer you get 
to God, the less you need to promote yourself. Why? Because you're not an owner anyway. You're just a steward. It's all about giving it away. Number five. The fifth attitude of a real servant is that they think of ministry as an opportunity to love, not an obligation that subtracts from them. Look at it. Servants think of ministry as an opportunity. If you don't have a servant's heart this morning, then when ministry is spoke of, when an opportunity rises, somehow in your thought process, it's going to take. It's going, it's going to lessen you. It's going to take something from you. It's a, think of offering time. Okay. If you don't have a servant's heart when offering time comes, if you do go ahead and reach for your wallet and you're going through it, your predominant thought is how much I'm losing, what I won't have this week if I give. And so you choose the 10 over the 100. <laughs> you say, I haven't had a $100 bill in my wallet in 50 years. <laughs> well, it, this might be why. Attitudes. See, Dave Duell once told me, Jeff, if God can get it through you, God can get it to you. I've never forgotten that. Jeff, I believe we have this final passage of Scripture. I really want everybody to see it. Could we look at it together? Huh? One second. 1,001. 1,002. 1,003. 1,004. 1,005. Oh, you set it up, Jeff. You stuck it there. See, if you hadn't said, give me a second, if you had said, give me a minute, I wouldn't have started counting. I really want everybody to see this, and I know it's up on my little screen, but some of you can't. Can't read that. Do we have it? All right. We ready? And is this message, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can, can, it, can we put it on a black background? That's better. All right. Everybody together. Ready? Read. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, eh, I edited it. I didn't choose all of the words. So we're going to read it from here. <laughs> Jesus gave me permission. There are just some verses that didn't fit my sermon. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with the nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Did you know that was in the Bible? 
<laughs> when my daughter was still young and at home, a great deal of her correction growing up was not about her behavior. It was about her attitudes. We found if we would correct for attitude, we had a lot less correction to do for behavior. Imagine what would happen, everyone, if everybody who attended church was involved in serving and giving. Can you imagine? Imagine what we could do if everyone considered themselves a steward of their financial resources rather than an owner and so they gave freely not only the tithe which by the way never look up here here comes a never I don't all I, I rarely say this never pray how much you should tithe God will not answer that prayer The reason why is because a tithe is a set percent of my income. It means tenth. And so I never have to pray over the tithe. I, I just, it's at the top of our budget, by the way. It's not a line item at the bottom. I don't figure our budget and then get to the end of the month and say, sorry, God, can't this month. You've got that all backwards. You put the line item of your tithe right up at the top because it comes, according to the scripture, it's a first fruit that I give back to the Lord to honor him as the source of all that I have because I'm only a steward. Then as I work through my budget and the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I give offerings over and above my tithe and that you pray about. That you're led of the Holy Spirit. But imagine if everybody who attended and considers this great gathering called Genesis, we're tithing. I can't tell you what a difference it would make. There wouldn't be any uncovered floors. There wouldn't be any unfinished rooms. I could actually pay Barb to be my assistant pastor. She receives no pay. We could actually bring Jennifer on full-time right now, give her an office, Lord knows we have the space, and she could be here full-time. You should know she came on with us as an employee type of relationship and has been making phone calls and filling out forms and engaging with the state and the city and the county all on her own and has not received a dollar yet. She's been with us almost a month. I just didn't tell you. <laughs> so, uh, this ought not be. And of course, all of that would just be a non-issue. You'd never hear from me about it. Never. If everybody just had an attitude of a steward rather than an owner. May God help us today to make the necessary attitudes adjustment. Grab your bulletin.